what has happened here? They came from palace and took Sivalinga from our village. Took what? Stone, a sacred stone from a shrine that protects the village. So you will go to Pankot Palace to find Sivalinga and bring back to us. Dr. Jones, you know perfectly well that Huggy Cult is being dead for nearly a century. Of course. Thuggy was an obscenity that worshipped Kali with human sacrifice. We came from a small village. Peasants there told us Panko Palace was growing powerful again because of some ancient evil. Village stories, Dr. Jones. They're just beer folklore. It's a thuggy ceremony. They're worshipping Kali. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? And with me as always, what's up, Mr. Very Good Rabbit? How are you doing today, sir? I am doing great, Mike. And we are back with the classic movies Masunas hasn't seen series, sir. Correct. And uh, that's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So it's going to be an interesting conversation today, sir. Look forward to it. I am very much looking forward to this. It's going to be fun, man. But I have to say, though, last week when we did our random episode, it's so crazy how much response came off of that episode. People were like, man, that episode was great. It was super fun. And then best of all was the coincidence of 1984. <laughs> no doubt, right? Why don't you go ahead and explain to the nation, those that who was, didn't see it, what happened, sir? Yeah, that was pretty wild. I mean, because, you know, in our last episode, it just naturally occurred to me all these 1984 movies I was seeing and just, you know, we had our long discussion of how great 1984 was. And what was it, two days later, all of a sudden I see online this thing slash film posted about 1984 was the greatest year in movies and that collage they had I was jealous of. Oh, man, that is an awesome poster. Even though technically the Karate Kid pictures from Karate Kid Part 2, true, it's okay. I forgive it because it's an awesome picture of Daniel and, and Mr. Miyagi. So I love that picture. That was amazing. Yeah, that was a pretty wild coincidence. Yeah, it was, man. I'm really glad we had that because it sparked some crazy conversation up in the nation, man. What, man. Are, we, what are we doing? Uh, 30 hours, 30 <laughs> movies. <laughs> sure. Oh, man, that would be a total insane, ridiculous episode, sir. That'd be the longest episode in history, man. You know how much space you would need on your iPod to hold 30 hours of one episode? Dude, I I tend to lose my voice if I do two recordings in one day. <laughs> I, I, it would be a train wreck at the end. It's true, man. So, All right, sir. Well, before we roll into our review of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, why don't we get into some movie and music news? All right. My heart beats slowing down I won't 
So uh, I only got three things I want to talk about today for movie and music news. The best is going, of course, to be the music news because of your awesome review. I can't wait for. Uh, so let's get the let's get the sad stuff out of the way. Uh, we had a legend die, sir, Mister uh, Mister Philip, you know Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, man. Philip Seymour Hoffman. So um, here's the thing, man. When I saw this guy in Twister, you know. I immediately was like, you know, this guy is off of his rocker, but he was the best part of the movie. I mean, I love Twister. It's a big, uh, guilty, fun pleasure for me, especially big screen, surround sound, the whole works. I mean, it still looks amazing even in today's standards. But that guy just always was just like, wow, there was something about him. You know, you know how there's certain actors when you watch them on screen, you don't know what it is, but there's just an aura about them. And that's kind of what I always got off of him. Surprisingly, I have not seen a lot of his filmography, but I know the amazing actor he is, which is surprising just coming off of Twister itself. I honestly believe, I think I've only seen maybe two of his movies, but I know of the great actor he was. So yeah. so you, sir, have more experience with this guy, so why don't you go ahead and talk about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this one, man, th- this one hurts. Um Philip Seymour Hoffman was one of my favorite actors to watch. You know, he was he was rarely a leading man. I mean, he you know he he won for playing Truman Capote, and he was great in you know his later roles like in The Master and Doubt. But he he was great. I mean, like I think like you, I, I saw him in Twister the first time. And I connected with him. I'm like, ah, barn burner. That guy's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, from roles like that and Boogie Nights and Big Lebowski and just where he would play kind of off the wall characters, kind of goofy characters. You know, he, he no matter what character he had, whether it's the, you know, he, he could take a role like the bad guy in Mission Impossible 3. And it could be a real stereotypical bad guy role. And he made it very cool. And something that I made it my favorite movie out of the franchise. And he just, there was something about him. You look at him and he doesn't look like your Brad Pitt, George Clooney movie star. Right. But man, that guy could act. And he, he's one of those guys who I just always look forward to. Anytime he showed up in a movie, like, all right, there's going to be some acting getting done here. And he's only 46. I mean, he was in the prime of what he was doing. He was always just prepared he brought a realness to everything and you know we we lose actors and you know we kind of 
put actors up on a pedestal from time to time, but yeah, this this one I'm still kind of dealing with because he was he was a guy that I just really loved watching do his craft. Right. You know, he was more than just a Hollywood guy. You know, and then you you see the circumstances that he that he passed away with and more things are coming out and I've been reading a bunch of stuff about his last days. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, everyone has their struggles. It's tough when, when, when somebody, I had a discussion with Jason about this yesterday and he and I were kind of going back and forth because it's tough when a, when somebody overdoses like that and leaves a family behind. It's, a lot of times it's hard to feel bad for him because it's, you look at it as it's a choice that they made. But man, you know, I mean, it's a it's a struggle, and it's you know it's a struggle that you know that I've dealt with in the past, and it, it's it's hard, and I it just it, I feel for him and his family right now. It's just hard. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My wife, you know, the whole like Paul Walker thing. Mm-hmm. My wife took that harder than Heath Ledger because as my wife told me, she goes, "Yeah, Heath Ledger was absolutely mind blowing in The Dark Knight, but the way you know he died." being stupid and you know she was just like it's hard to feel sorry for him when he specifically knew you know the kind of medication that he was trying to get and and kind of uh you know bypass doctors and stuff versus with paul walker was a tragic accident you know so i i i understand the you know the i mean obviously i don't know the conversation you guys had but you know i can see how some person would feel i mean it sucks regardless you know but it's it's really weird when you get in a situation where it's like the person did it to themselves and it's just like i I can't say that you don't feel uh you don't feel that's what am i trying to say like it's i mean it's tough because you you can look at it as a selfish decision to do that yeah knowing what you're risking knowing what you have but just kind of coming coming from the other side of it addiction is tough man yeah and, it is you know it, it, it's a tough battle and, and you know a lot of people were really surprised by this i'd known that he had some struggles earlier in his life and i'd seen some interviews and then over the last like 48 hours there's been more interviews with him over the past decade or so where he addresses it and you know and addresses how it's it's been a, a battle for him for a long time and and there you know that he'd been clean for a couple of years and I don't know if this was the first time, you know, or that he'd gone back on. But it sounded like he had a large amount of heroin on him. Yeah, yeah, 70 bags. It reminds me of Corey Hayne, man. You know, that that was a tragic loss because he. It, it, I think it's different when somebody is trying their hardest and they... And when they fall into when they fall to their demons, it's a tragic story. But when it's somebody who just doesn't care, and you know, that's kind of where it becomes different, I think, you know. And it sounds like, you know, he was like Corey Haim, where he had the the struggles and then he got the help. And then, you know, once you go through the rehab and if you relapse back, you know, your body can't take it and therefore what you used to take before, it makes your body can't handle and that's how you overdose easily that's something i was hearing on the radio too yeah i mean well you you (laughs) welcome to junkie talk i know Um, (laughs) you build up a tolerance when you're a daily abuser right you build up a certain tolerance just like if i'm lifting weights i get to a point where i you know i'm 
I know what I can lift and say I take three years off. I can't go back after three years and pick up where I left off and start lifting the same amount of weights as I was when I was maxed out years ago. Exactly. It's the same thing with drugs. You get your body builds up a tolerance and yeah, you may go clean for three years or whatever, but you relapse and you go, well, this is where I left off at before. This is how much it took to get me going before. Yeah. And boom. Yeah. You know, and they go, oh, boy, you've been clean for years. I don't know what happened. Exactly. You know, and so it's sad and selfishly, I, I really, you know, it, it's sad because I, I do love a, a, a lot of the things that he done. Even even the, these smaller, strange movies that he would do, he was always the best thing in everything. Yeah, you know. And I was looking forward to him. I know they're they're trying to rework how they're going to finish. I guess he had one major scene for part two of Hunger Games. Yeah, he had seven days left of filming. To right, go, and totally, so they're yeah. trying to work on that. And and it seems so silly to discuss this. Same thing with with Paul Walker. Yeah, you know. His was a different situation where, you know, but it's just, it's such a loss for Hollywood in general because he was one of the greats. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like an ass and saying that, well, because of what he did, it, it takes the weight off. I, I was just saying in regards to the stereotype of, you know, when someone does it to themselves versus tragic accident, people take it differently and stuff. It sucks regardless of the situation and you know he he was a great actor and it's i'm sure a lot of people are heartbroken about it and stuff but you know the whole situation is just terrible and it's only going to get worse as the news comes out you know and and unfortunately it's really going to uh, i don't know tear down his movie cred i don't know i hope not you know because most people forgave heath ledger you know they kind of overlooked it you know yeah, I mean, in the short term, it's easy to, to do that. But I think his work stands up. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just sad. It's sad to lose the, the good ones like that. Yeah, it is. So, all right. So that is it for Junkie Talk. So we will <laughs> uh, we'll move into the last bit of uh, movie news, and then we'll roll into music. Uh, okay, sir. So Super Bowl. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. So me... Uh, I I could give two turds about sports. Uh, you, sir, are the sports guy. Sure. So, you know, you actually legitimately watch football and, <laughs> and dig it, love it. That's all good in the hood. So uh, I taped the Super Bowl just so I could fast forward through the football to watch the commercials. Yep. Um, the commercials, what I really, this is the biggest annoyance for me is now that you've seen this, tune in here to watch yeah. the full trailer. Oh, that pissed me That's off. That's garbage. That's ridiculous. It's a cheap way of not not having to pay for an entire trailer to be shown. Uh, okay. So uh, I saw the – number one, I want to say my favorite was the Radio Shack 80s commercial. That was See, amazing, man. That was great, and I missed that when it was first shown. I had to go online to find it because I was out of the room when that one was on. Oh, man. That was a great one. And, and it's funny. They played it last night, and I paused it and because my wife and me missed a few people. She's like, that really was Mary Lou Redden, right? I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, and the only Looks person. Like she's wearing a wig. But... The only person that wasn't really then was Michael J. Fox, obviously, being Team Wolf. You know, there's yeah. no way he was going to dress up with that again. That's like his, his most hated movie role that he's ever done. But seeing Chucky and hearing the laugh and Hulk Hogan and Jason up in there. Oh, man. Sergeant Slaughter. So good, man. And I was expecting Kit, you know, but we got the DeLorean instead, so it's okay. You know, it was still... Yeah, Kit and Play, though. Yeah, Kit and Play. That was super fun, man. <laughs> Jason all stealing the, the monitor. <laughs> that was good. 
so Transformers Four. We got mm-hmm. the uh, like the minute trailer, and now okay. Me and you, we both just talked about Mark Wahlberg on the last episode. Now, right. clearly, that movie required him to act. So I am not expecting him to act one bit in the next no. Transformers movie. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And the Dinobots look amazing, dude. That's all They're I'm going to say. They're huge. Dude, did you see Optimus, Optimus Prime just riding? riding on one? Ridiculous. <laughs> like, I don't remember being that big in the cartoon. Dude, I... I <laughs> I got fired up after that was over. Because I seriously have been indifferent to the whole Transformers 4. I really have been. I was just like, well, I just don't care. But after I saw that, I, wow. I was like, okay, it's obviously not going to be my most anticipated movie of the year. But I am fired up and I'm going to be there opening day to watch that movie. That's how good that one minute teaser or whatever so the, did for me. Yeah, so the trailer worked then. Yeah. You know, the Spider-Man one was awesome. I love when Gwen Stacy's falling down and Spider-Man goes to grab her. Amazing. And then I heard there's like a four-minute trailer that never actually aired. You got to go online to watch that. But that was good times, man. And then my wife, my wife she's, she doesn't want to see Spider-Man 2 with me. So I got to take my kids because she's still upset. that She's like, I didn't even think they why they had to even reboot it. You know, blah, 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 blah. So... You know, and she loves Spider-Man, so she, yeah, she didn't like Amazing Spider-Man, which is okay. I dug it, so hey, me and my daughter will go, no big deal. There you go. So, but I was fired up with that one, man. But I thought the the Noah trailer, we got Noah, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was like, come on, give me some 2012 disaster. I want to see, you know, I want to see some wave, big wave coming and then end the trailer. I didn't get that. I was kind of disappointed. So. You know the story. I, well, of course. I, I, I love the story, and I think it's going to be – I hope it's going to be good. But uh, what were you disappointed in this year? Just the overall. The commercials were just bad. We, we, tr- we, we won't talk about the game because the game wasn't yeah. even a Super Bowl game. It was the slaughter. But Yeah. The commercials were just so blah this year. It wasn't anything exciting for me. Like the trailers – like the Captain America trailer, I felt like I'd seen all that before. Yeah, it was the first trailer of the night, which is yeah. great. And it says, go here to watch. I was like, I was pissed. I was like, I wanted to see new new stuff, and you gave me 20 seconds. Yeah, you know, I was hoping to get... Because it is, the last few years, it has become the place where they drop the big trailers for the next six months. You know, the big summer movies. I was, ex- I was hoping to see something. Maybe even like a one-minute Ninja Turtles trailer. Oh, just, yeah. You know? I mean, just something. It felt like I'd seen a lot of what we got. When I saw the Fast 6 trailer, man, and it ended with the plane sequence coming down and Vin Diesel crashing out of it, I was so stoked for the next six months. I mean, I I could not stop talking about that trailer. That was a great trailer. But these trailers, I mean, the Transformers one, I guess it did its job. And my daughter's like, well, where's everybody else at? I'm like, they're gone. You know, I'm like, you're going to have to deal with new people. And I went ahead and actually looked it up. You know, I was actually interested. And our boy from EZA, uh, the dad, is going to be in this movie. He's the bad guy. So. Is he really? Oh, no, wait. Kelsey Grammer's the bad guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he, he he wants to build his own robots, if I read it correctly. So, right. should be interesting, sir. So, yeah, I, I that was the, the best highlight for me was by far the Radio Shack. And the Doritos commercial was super cool. The time travel one, that was real funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the one commercial 
that was all like uh it was all uplifting and it felt like a big anti-bullying campaign and then you find out it's a car commercial was so depressing dude (laughs) seriously it was ridiculous yeah so yeah i give it two thumbs down overall and if yeah so nothing special nothing special all right sir music time i want to hear the adventure of your concert sir so let's go man let's crack the fingers let's start from the (laughs) beginning here we go let's let's roll into this i i can't wait to hear this sir let's go (laughs) all right yeah uh, yeah, so uh, me and the fam went down to go see some Skillet the other night. Yeah. It was a good time, man. Um, yeah, actually, it was it was a uh, large group, and you texted me the day after, like, how did you see We as Human? I'm like, they weren't there. Then I went online and looked. Oh, yeah, they were there. They oh. opened the show, and we got there uh, oh. right when, right when uh, the show was starting and we were out, you know, getting stuff at the merch stands and whatever. And we could uh-huh. hear some stuff going on, but it didn't sound like a band was playing. It uh-huh. sounded like it was being piped in. Oh man, you missed and, them. Oh. Yeah. And I was looking forward to it, but it didn't, it sounded like uh, just music being piped in through the speakers. Right. Okay. So I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. We're out. You know, the kids are looking <laughs> for the specific skillet t-shirts they wanted to get and all that stuff. And then, so yeah, as far as I know, I'm like, well, oh, it started up because when we walked in, they had some stand-up comedian out there doing stuff. Huh. I'm like, all right, yeah, this must be the beginning of it. You wouldn't have a band and then a stand-up. That's kind of weird. Right. Was he actually funny or no? No. <laughs> no. He was a hack. But whatever. Right. Exactly. We had great seats, though, man. I mean, oh, we were yeah. right I there. I saw your pictures, man. You were like, you were at least like 12th row, right? We uh, we were ABCD, fourth row. Oh, man. Fourth row. But then there's there was a... Yeah, we were fourth row. There's a big aisle between us and the stage. Okay. So we were probably like 15 feet away from the stage. Okay. So so Jamie Grace, uh, I know a lot of people are gonna, you, a lot of people won't know in the nation, which is okay. But God bless you. Don't <laughs> look but you said she is way overproduced. So is she way overproduced, like Lady Gaga applause style, or what, sir? I got- Her voice didn't. It sounded like somebody doing karaoke. Her voice didn't sound like anything the things you would you would hear in her songs immediately. And, you know, she has all these backing tracks playing. It's just her up there with a, a guitar and then all these backing tracks. And it's like, wow, Toby Mac does a lot of work on her stuff. Oh, yeah. Big- yeah, a lot. Oh. She did three songs, and that was plenty. Three songs? Okay. Yeah, she... she How many fans were there, dude? Uh, let's see. We is Human, and then uh, which we missed. And then there was Royal, Royal Taylor... <laughs> Never heard of them. They were pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. Cut that um, list. You won't be hearing them on Make Some Noise, that's for sure. Right. And then there was Andy Maneo. Who? Andy Maneo? I know. That's what I mean. Who? Yeah, he was some rapper, and he was pretty annoying. He had a horrible voice. Oh, my gosh. Was he a white guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And his big gimmick was he had a camera on a skateboard, and he'd skate around the stage. and using- Oh, so he's trying to be like Manifest. Okay. Yeah, it's so... He was bad. Yeah. And then... Um, Terrible. And then who was who was the other one? Third Day, third day Grace? Third, three... Uh, oh. Three Day Grace is a different band, sir. What, <laughs> what am I thinking? Who was the other band that came out? So, wasn't Third Day before... Skelet? Third Day. Third Day came out. Third okay. Day came out then. And the, the, the good part about Third Day is the lead singer came over to the side of the stage and he was pointing in our direction. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I was kind of just... I was looking at all... The, watching everyone in the band whatever he's pointing at us and sarah looks over at me and the guy 
So I look up at the lead singer. He's pointing at me, and then he starts rubbing his beard and pointing at me and giving me the thumbs up. Ah. She's like, he loves your beard. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, they came out. They're all right. You know? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, they're all right. I played, yeah. I played them once on STL. That was enough. Chris, they're too Chris, country for me. Chris Daughtry helped, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They're a rock band, but they have such southern accent. I can't, uh, I've never gotten into them, man. Yeah. No. Uh, so, yeah, then, then Jamie Grace came. I took a nap. and then. Uh, so, Jamie Grace was after Third Day? Yeah. Seriously? Third Day is way bigger than Jamie Grace. Yeah. Well, they had to bring it down a little bit. That's right. That's Settle ridiculous. everyone down. They wanted to have time for people to go out and buy the T-shirts and stuff. Right. And okay. CDs. Right. And then come back in for the show. Okay. So then finally Skillet comes out. Okay. So what time is it that Skillet comes on? Oh, man. It was. <laughs> and this is a Thursday night, people. Keep yeah, that in mind. this is a mind. Thursday night. And kids they, got school the next day, folks. <laughs> they probably came on at like 945. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, dude! Imagine if I went to that concert, dude, and I got a two and a half hour drive home. Yeah, because it started. The show started at seven. Oh my gosh! Okay. With all these bands. All right. So Skillet's on at nine forty-five. So what do they open with? Uh, gosh, uh, they opened with Hero. Awesome. Good. Yeah. Now, now they got some new video up in the background, and if I remember right, Hero has like this real dance techno intro that they use, right? Yeah. Okay, because I know they changed it up, and I remember watching the video on YouTube once. So how was the – I mean, Skillet is a phenomenal live band. It's ridiculous. The fire, the just the amount of, of state – I mean, they are – if you read all the magazines, they're rated in the top 10 best touring bands in the United they, States. Yeah, they were – they put on a great show. Oh, okay. They are Full out the whole way. Oh my gosh. Okay, so how many songs did they do? Would you say? Uh, let's see. I actually grabbed their set list. Excellent. Uh, they did eight songs. Okay, so what did, we got hero number one. What's number yep. two? Then they rolled right into sick of it. Oh, your favorite song. <laughs> and it, you know what? It was great. Oh, it was. Yeah, it actually was. I mean, live, dude, it was great. I, I, I am tired of that song, but <laughs> they, I mean, they just hammered it. Awesome. And it was fun, and I was I was digging because we were on the side of the stage where Corey was, and I was loving just watching her. Dude, we gotta talk but about she's her insane. hair. Dude, I love Corey; she's phenomenal. But I, okay, it's fine that she cut her hair short because she started off in skill with short hair. But I don't like the fact she went blonde though, man. She, yeah, it looked weird. She's I, way was, better she, brunette, man. I, it took a minute to even recognize her. Oh, like is that her? Yeah, yeah but she's insane, insane. Oh my lord! Wow. Did she have the skirt on? Yeah, yeah. She always got the skirt and the leather pants going on. Leather pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's insane. And I mean, dude, between her and Jen, I, oh. I love. This is gonna sound terrible. I don't know how else, how else to phrase it. I love chicks with balls. I just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who Hell are just? Yeah. I love, I love just rocker chicks. I love oh, just. Not girly girls. Dude, and Jen, so, oh, Jen is the best female. Oh, she is. I love I, uh, I love her voice, her drumming skills. She's beautiful, number one. Her voice is amazing. Sent, oh, she's an angel, man. I love that girl, man. She's my second favorite drummer in history. I love her. You know what's funny is that that day I was listening on the radio, and I didn't catch the beginning of this interview. I, I'm not sure who they were talking to, but I was listening to the, the rock station up here. And they were talking about Skillet being in town. They were talking to this guy. He's like, oh, yeah, we, we did a tour with Skillet one time. He's like, yeah. Uh, Jen came onto our 
came into our bus one time for a show and asked our drummer if she could borrow his kick pedal and said she was having trouble with hers. So our drummer lent her the kick pedal. After the concert, she brings it back, and it's bent. <laughs> and he, she's, our drummer was like, I'm twice as big as you. I've never bent a kick pedal. She's like, well, you're just not trying. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, this girl... She must weigh like a hundred and six pounds. Yeah, and she had and, that kit rocking. Yeah, and she, uh, number one, she plays. They they rotate her drum kit in the air, and like she'll go sideways and stuff. But she destroys the drum kit. I mean, she must break at least twenty sticks easily. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh. it was good. It was good. Yeah. So you're right. Those two are the biggest chicks of balls. Hell, yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, so then what we get after that? Uh, then we got Not Gonna Die. Oh, dude, was then, that That's when a... they started bringing out the, uh, they brought out the uh, guy with the violin and guy with the cello. Yep, yep, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chu on yep. the cello. Good times. Oh, it was, it was cool because, I don't know if, if you saw my pictures I posted. I did. You know, they had all these risers on hydraulics that they would send them up in the air on. I mean, at one point... Corey and the other guitarists were, I mean, they're like 20 feet up in the air on these yeah, things. Yeah, the other guitarist, that's Seth. He's, yeah. yeah. And so it was really cool. So, yeah, they they uh, they went into that. Then they did Awaken Alive. Awesome. Uh, then they did The Last Night. Ooh, good times. Yeah. Then they did American Noise. Ugh. That's, the, <laughs> that's my least favorite song on the new CD, dude. I yeah. just, I... I don't. I've tried to like that song. I really have. Even the music video, I tried to watch over and over. I still can't get into that song. I, uh, yeah, it's a five. <laughs> it's a. <five. laughs> then they went into the song that my youngest boy had bought the tickets just to go see. They went into Monster, Rise. which is his favorite song. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yep, yep. Everybody knows Monster and STL, baby. Especially yep. listening Underground Hour. I always close out with that song. Good yeah, time. he was fired up to hear that. Oh. Um, and then they did rebirthing, and that was it. That was the end of the show. They didn't do rise. No, my fit the number one song of 2013 <laughs> for STL, and the it's the song that you hear for the music spotlight. And they didn't play the number one song of 2013. They did not. Epic. That was the show. Epic fail, sir. That was the show. <laughs> oh man. So, but man. Oh. It was great. Oh. It was phenomenal. I and, bet, man. You know, they, they they took a nice break in the middle, kind of, um, just talking to the crowd. and Because they are hometown hometown band. They, they're here in Wisconsin. Right, exactly. They live you in know? Wisconsin when they're yeah. touring, yeah. Yeah, so they ended up, you know, talking about that and talking about Wisconsin, blah, blah, blah. It, it was just, it was a great show, man. They just put on a phenomenal show. Oh, man. How much, man. How much pyro did they have, dude? It was a pretty fair amount. Oh. Yeah, and, I mean, and their screens that they had were crazy. You know, I mean, they were showing. I wasn't really watching a lot of the videos that were in the background, right? But there was just the screens are so huge. Just their whole setup and the stage was really cool because it was like a T-shaped stage, like they're on it, and then has like a peninsula that comes out into the crowd. Yeah, and so we were kind of right in the corner of where the part goes out. So they're always right there in front of us the whole time. It was. It was a great show. Was John insane as always? Oh yeah. Oh, dude's got. Oh, especially go- when he came out with that bass. Oh man, yeah. He, he that's the thing. Either he'll have the bass, like he doesn't have the bass for Monster. Yeah. But he has the bass for Hero, right? 
No, actually, he didn't bring out the bass until mid-show. Wow. Yeah, about mid-show, he brought out the bass. <laughs> and, and that's a huge bass, man. Yeah, dude. Ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, There's actually... Their, their like bodyguard, their guy with the really long hair. He plays the bass behind the behind the stage. So that's how you still get the bass sound, even though John's not playing it. So insane. So just skill it alone, scale of one to ten. What are we at? I think it's a nine and a half show. Yeah. Just because I was hoping it would be longer, I was hoping there would be a few other songs that were thrown in there. Yeah. You know. I, I, yeah, if they would have had more time, you know, they played for an hour, an hour, yeah, maybe an hour. Okay, because mine had We as Human, Manifest, Disciple, and then Skillet, and Skillet rocked out for an hour and forty five hour and forty five minutes. Yeah, that would have been great. They did they did twelve or thirteen songs that night. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, and they closed out with Savior. And they like were so loud. I swear they blew like a speaker. It was so <laughs> loud, dude. It was crazy. So yeah, dude. What time did you get home? Uh, I don't know. Sometime after eleven, eleven thirty. Oh my gosh! By the time we got out of the parking lot and all that, your kids loved it though, right? Oh, they had a blast. Oh man. Oh yeah. You didn't take the little one though, right? Because no, she she be deaf for a long. She stayed time. with grandpa. Yeah, it was great because I walked out of the parking lot and uh, just as I walked out of the Coliseum. Um, Brian, you know, my co-host over at Mojo was, uh, driving up from Chicago to spend the night at my house. Heck yeah. Hey. So he calls me and I could not hear a word he was saying. My <laughs> <laughs> we, we went and got, uh, after the, after the first band, uh, we went and got, uh, earplugs for my little guy. Cause he was having trouble yeah. being that close to the speakers. I didn't get any. So yeah, Brian calls me and he's like, Hey, I heard something about he was getting close to my house, but it was just ringing. That's all I could hear. <laughs> Yeah, I could not hear for 50 minutes. I mean, it was crazy. Everybody in my family was screaming at each other when we went. It was yeah. it was so loud. So that is awesome, dude. Good time. So that will yeah. wrap up our movie and music news. And if you get a chance to see Skillet, you will not be disappointed. They no. are a phenomenal live band. If you think they sound great, and you've heard a lot of them on this show... They blow away their CD performance. They, a true band is a band that can be killer live, and they, man, they're like the epitome of a live band, dude. Yeah, they were one of the better live shows I've seen in a long time. Just before we leave music news, yeah, the, the, you talk about great live bands. Did you happen to see today that that uh, the Chili Peppers came out and admitted that they didn't even plug in their instruments for the Super Bowl? Oh, uh, no, I missed that. They, all these photos started coming out of them not even being plugged in at all. And somebody tweeted Flea. It was like, so were you not even trying to, like, you know, make it look like you're playing? He goes, oh, no. We, didn't <laughs> they weren't, we weren't playing. We weren't singing. We I, were just, up, <laughs> just I did playing he- to our track. I did hear the Super Bowl show was actually really good this year. I fast forwarded through it. I didn't even want- I like Bruno Mars. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't want to even waste my time with it. But since most Super Bowl shows are just terrible, I heard this was one of the best ones that they've had in quite a long time. So- I don't know. I skipped. I went out and shot some pool during halftime. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I-, I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, though, man. They are amazing. So. Yep. All right, sir. So that is it. Should we roll into our review of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Let's do this. All right, let's roll into it.
creature has a name. It must be Indiana Jones. From Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You don't believe me. You will, Dr. Jones. All right, sir. So, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So, uh, man, <laughs> I think I'm going to start off by saying this, sir. All right. Um, with this movie, uh, I had a, I had a lot more fun with this movie. The fun factor is definitely more for me on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely more ridiculous than the first one, especially supernatural stuff that we'll get into. Uh, I thought Harrison Ford was amazing. And I thought he was so badass in this movie, although I think some of the the cheese factor is ridiculous. So I, I think the first movie is better, but I had more fun with this one, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. Okay, that's that's kind of where I'm at with this, especially the heart scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there in a little bit. But okay, so this movie is part of our 1984 discussion. There you go. And uh dude, that poster, man, you 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 were talking about this on real films, right? Did yep. that did that guy make this poster, the Indiana yeah. Jones? Oh, dude, he did all the Indiana Jones posters. Man, so, paints them by hand. Such a good poster, man. I really dig it. Good stuff. Yeah. So, Steven Spielberg went ahead and directed this one again, which is awesome. Uh, I, I like I like the consistency there. So and stories by uh, George Lucas. So up in this one we got some Kate Capshaw. So, um, what do you think of Kate Capshaw, man? Because Kate Capshaw, um, you know she's in various things. Dreamscape. I actually really enjoy her in that movie with Dennis Quaid. Uh, you know she's in Quick and the Dead, all this and that. Space Camp. I actually really enjoy her in Space Camp. But I yeah. thought I thought in this movie she was kind of. Oh man, I don't want to say phoning it in, but just like, man, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know man. It just like she wasn't trying very hard. Like I don't maybe didn't take it seriously. I guess you know, like I don't know. I guess phoning it in is the best. Maybe the, See, maybe I, the proper thought, word. I don't know. I always thought it was more of her. I mean, kind of playing the ditzy movie star, failed movie star, who just was through the most ridiculous things was always more worried about herself than anything. Yeah. You know, it just, I don't know. It, it this movie and I have had a long kind of up and down history and kind <laughs> of, she has been part of that. Oh, really? Like, ah, I can't stand her. Oh no, actually I kind of like her in this. Like, oh, I don't know. She bothers me. Uh, and so it kind of depends on when I'm seeing it, whether how I feel about her and this movie altogether. So, well, I think the reason why I, I wasn't disappointed in her, I definitely enjoyed the first um, girl lead he had better than her. And mm-hmm. it, I think I was just a little bit disappointed because I saw her in Space Camp, and I and I yeah. absolutely love her in that movie. She's definitely uh, a solid rock in that movie. And then Dreamscape, super fun times. And then in this one, it just um, she just kind of seemed over the top. 
I guess, in a lot of different ways. Okay. So I guess that's kind of the word I'm looking for. She was just kind of more over the top than I was really expecting her to be, you know? Yep. So, so story-wise, sir, I didn't know that this was a prequel to the first yep. movie. Um, <laughs> Takes place one year before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, so... What's your what's your thoughts on this? I mean, do you think this is like the first prequel in the history of film or what? It's the first one I ever noticed. I mean, I don't know, but it's the first one when I was a kid. Uh, the second or third time I saw it, I put it together. Like, wait a minute. This happens beforehand. You know, because it, 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 which always led to a lot of questions for me about, about um, you know, how things lined up and all that. But um I thought that was really cool. Like, wait a minute, I'm going to tell a story from before, but like, it's it's weird. I don't know why it had to be because it really doesn't matter. You know, I don't think anything okay consistently goes from one to the next movie, so I don't know that it really matters. But I guess let me get into this, this because this is kind of a problem for me. Maybe, and I need you to shed some light on this. All right. Okay, so the first movie, um, you know, I I definitely love the whole snake factor it's mm-hmm. super fun you know i especially love how we talked about with the glass and everything was just really good times in this one this is supposed to take place beforehand he doesn't really seem that afraid of snakes so how does he go from the attitude in this movie to raiders to being all afraid am i missing something here maybe Help this me out. is what set up the fear for raiders Okay. Maybe he that? wasn't afraid of snakes until all this these hijinks happened. Okay. I don't know. You just you just blowing smoke, huh? I don't know. Okay. Um, all right. So the movie takes place in nineteen thirty five. Uh, so starting off the beginning here, um, what I really like is the name of this place in the very beginning. Which is, I know it's a Star Wars reference. I'm trying, yep. It's uh, Club Obi-Wan. Yeah, Club Obi-Wan. Good size, man. Yeah. I, I mean, of course, story by George Lucas. I love how he throws it in there. So what do you think of the the beginning sequence that we have here? Because, uh, you know, the in the first movie, really, uh, we had the big boulder scene, you know, and it was a really good action-packed beginning. So how do you think the beginning of this movie is compared to the first one? So when I was a kid and I saw this movie, I I didn't like the fact that you open with a dance number. Right. Um, but now, you know, as I've grown older and I watch it, I really dig it. It's bold. It's bold to open an Indiana Jones movie with a big song and dance number to open it, right? Right. Um, I really dig the whole opening and the the poison and just all the stuff that goes down in club Obi-Wan, the, the looking for the diamond and the ice being everywhere. And the, the cool thing with the gong and all that stuff. It's an interesting way to open a movie and it kind of sets a different tone than the other one. It does set where Raiders open with a much more ominous tone, you know, as they're going through and his, his guides are dying and you're seeing all the booby traps as he's trying to get the golden idol and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's set kind of a, a specific tone this sets more of almost a whimsical tone for the movie and i i kind of like that you know you see a different side of indiana jones he's sitting there in a tuxedo and you're like what's going on what indiana Jones?" you know <laughs> right right yeah i like it i love the whole i mean because it doesn't jump right into action you got the song and music and all that 
And then as they go, they go diving out the window into the car and you get the great introduction to short round. I, I like it. I, I dig that opening. Yeah. So, so short round or, you know, AKA shorty. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about short round. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, what, uh, like, I guess I should say, who's your favorite character up in this one? Cause I, I really like, you know, the little kid that we have in this movie, you know, which of course is data from the Goonies. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, kid actors, you can only get so much out of them. So I, I definitely enjoyed his performance in this one. And I'm kind of the same way with Kate Capshaw It's kind of like some things were kind of over the top a little bit here and there, but I would definitely, I wouldn't give him two thumbs up, but I'd probably give him like one thumb up. I definitely enjoyed him more as data in the Goonies, but was he annoying for you in this movie? Oh no. What's your, you know, what's your take? I love short round, man. And you got to think this is the first thing he ever did. He never acted on a commercial or anything ever in his life before. The first time he ever did anything was this movie. Wow. I, I thought he did pretty great. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know? he's an 11 year old, you know, sidekick. So, and- yeah, I love the back and forth that he has with Indy. You can tell that there's a, a really interesting backstory, which they only kind of hint at and kind of share little things about how those two got hooked up, you know, a little story, but you know, immediately when he's, he got that classic line, no time for love, Dr. Jones. <laughs> you know, I just, I love the the play between those two and then the play between Short Round and and Kate Capshaw's character, you know, and I, I love when he keeps telling her, no, you call him Dr. Jones. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. He's, he's so much fun. Yeah, he is. You know, he, I think that's part of the, the big um, difference with this movie that where I'm just like, there's a lot of fun factor here. It's like, you know, Harrison Ford, uh, I think he took the first one like serious and like in this one, he's just like, you know what, I'm going to make a movie and I'm just going to have some fun. I'm going to let loose and I'm not going to be so like, uh, you know, not, I wouldn't say he wasn't really stuck up in the first one, but in this one, he's way more chilled out than he is in Raiders, which is funny because this is a prequel, but you know, I, I, I just like it. It's just I don't know, man. It's something with the fun factor here just really helps make it that much better, I guess, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, you got to think maybe, you know, he, he, he's a little more grizzled than Raiders. He's, he's been through some things. He's, you know, he's been turned into a zombie, spoiler alert. Right. And, uh, you know, he's been through some stuff. I, I love, there's a couple of things in this opening that I really like. You know, we talk about the big set pieces and the big action sequences that they have. Did you, did you happen to catch the Dan Aykroyd cameo in this one? Oh uh, boy. It's it's I think, watch, I think I missed it. You gotta look for it. There's so when after they get away from Club Obi Wan and they have the big gunfight in the in the cars going through the city, right? Right. So he he gets to the to the docks where the plane is, and they're like they're gonna jump on a plane. So Dan Dan Aykroyd is this soldier who's taking them over to the plane and talking to him, explaining to him where they're gonna go and whatever. I didn't catch it like the first 20 times I saw this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, that voice sounds familiar. Right. I um, just can't place it. Where did that right. come from? I love that he he gets on the plane, thinks he's getting away, and this how they reveal that he's in trouble when they close the door and you see Lei Chow or whatever on the on the side of the plane. Like, oh, no. Yeah. 
this isn't good. <laughs> and and then the plane crashes over the Himalayas. Um, yeah, and you get the classic. You get that the classic plane flying over the map. Right. Yeah. You know, I showing us that. his path. It's it was the, so cool to see because you did warn me that you know it, it will continue, but just seeing it again is just kind of like seeing like an old friend. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just cool seeing that again. I was like, ah, you know, it's just so effective. It, it's so it's so cool. It's just a little thing, but it's great. It is. It's like it's so simple, not hard to film. It just it's just a nice touch, you know, and it, it just gives it that something special because, I mean, how many movies do we really see do that, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I really enjoy that. It's pretty cool. So. Uh, so what do you think of the plane crash, sir? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty spectacular. It was the, the pilot jumps out of the plane and like, oh, no, it, I I always knew it was ridiculous that right. you take an inflatable raft and jump out of a plane with it. Right, exactly. No problem. No problem. You go down the mountain, into the river, you know, over the waterfalls. Let me It's let, crazy. Let me ask you something. Have you You never lose the hat though. <laughs> right. It's like so to his head, I swear. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely not taking anything seriously in this movie. So, I mean, that's kind of the fun factor of it, right? So, I'm interested to see where number three goes because everybody tells me number three is the best. I'm just like, oh boy, I wonder how number three is going to be. I mean, are they going to, like, you know, have bullets go right through them and there's no blood or something? I don't know. I'm starting, I'm we'll starting to get a little, out. I'm starting to get a little bit worried. So, but. Uh, have you ever heard of the Uncharted series? It's a video game series. Have you ever heard of it, sir? I believe you talked about it on here once before. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Uncharted is a it's a PlayStation Three exclusive, and you are this guy named Nathan Drake. Who uh, it's funny, you know, you would think kind of Nathan Fillion and stuff, but he he's kind of reminds you very much of him. And he is this kind of this big treasure hunter. And uh, he goes through all these different tombs and all these cursed places and everything like that. But what's funny is, is that this guy has like the best luck in the world. I mean, this guy like uh, there's various big scenes like in part two, you're on this train that's like falling off a cliff and you got to climb up the train as pieces are falling and then you have debris falling on you and then you get to number three and then you're on a sinking boat and you got to get off a boat and it's just like you know obviously a lot of indiana jones uh they, they take a lot from that and of course tomb raider does a lot of that but you know, playing these Uncharted games, you know, and not, and not watching these Indiana Jones movies, you know, it, it's just I feel like I've been playing Indiana Jones for the past month because, you know, I, I love this series. Uh, Uncharted 3 is my third favorite video game. It, it's just amazing. But it's so much fun. The guy is such a he's such a comedic person. You know, he doesn't take things serious, but he's very knowledgeable. He knows exactly he knows what's going on. He knows where to go. But things always happen to him. And he's always got to get out of those predicaments, you know. And that's kind of like it really reminds me a lot, obviously. I mean, they probably pull it from Indiana Jones. But yeah. I, I think that's where I get a lot of the fun factor from because it just reminds me of going like this this whole thing dealing with cursed crap, you know, voodoo and stuff. I mean, like Mark for Death, Steven Seagal deals with voodoo, but it's not like crazy, like, you know, ripping some dude's heart out. And the guy is still alive, mind you. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, it's kind of crazy, sir. So... Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the, uh, you know, the voodoo and, and whatever in, in this movie? 
Um, yeah. I remember the first time I saw this movie in the theater. I was seven years old. Right. And I remember being terrified. Really? Uh, Mola Ram scared the crap out of me. He is scary, though. He did. The whole uh, ripping the heart out of the chest scene. Yeah. Um, I remember it was shortly after that that my grandma yanked me out of the theater and we had to go uh, watch the second half of The Fox and the Hound in the next theater over because she wouldn't let me finish watching it. Oh, boy. I, I was truly terrified. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, the voodoo and all, it's it's set up pretty well. I mean, when they go to the village, you know, after they come crashing down and they, they land in the village yeah. and they explain these stones and, you know, they're in India and, and, and then they go to the temple and you start to kind of find out what's going on a little bit. Um, I think they do a good job of setting up the voodoo. Right. It's a little over the top. Yeah. You know, but I think it's pretty effective. Yeah. At I, least for me it is. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't like, it doesn't, um, I mean, obviously we didn't have that in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know. Uh, so does it, I don't know. I guess I'm coming from the perspective of, um, is Indiana Jones supposed to be realistic or is it supposed to be kind of an adventurer going to unknown places and you don't know what you're going to find? You yeah, know, I, I, think- I guess that's what I'm trying to understand this series as. Is it supposed to be taken as, this is legit serious stuff, or is it supposed to be this guy is going to get into some crazy stuff? You don't know what to expect, and and go and go for the ride, which is what I think is this movie is trying to prove is you're supposed to go along for the ride. So, am I right there or not? Yeah, that's very much it. It's, okay, it's be, because they do try and set a lot of the facts, like when they lay out the exposition, like they did in Raiders about a. a about uh, you know all the things that they were going after and the things with Hitler and all that that was all very fact based. Right. Uh, the same with this when the, when they're talking to the shaman in the village and they're talking at the dinner with the rajah and a lot of the exposition that sets up the movie is very much fact based. Um, you know, and and it, that lays it out. But then from there on, it is very much just an adventure. It's you. It, you're in a different kind of universe with Indiana Jones, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of realism, but when you start getting into the adventures, it's things that only Indiana Jones is going to see. You know? He, yeah. then he comes back to America and tells people these stories, and you're like, okay, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, when I when I watched this again, and I got to the minecart chase, mm-hmm. I, I saw this before. You know, because remember I said that, you know, I've never seen any of these before. And I remember watching this on TV and that was like, oh, so this is from Indiana Jones. And I was like, wow, this is a really fun scene. I definitely think the mini cart chase is my favorite scene in the movie. My, I should put it this way. My favorite scene is where the guys all got the swords and <laughs> reminiscent of part one. And he's going to pull out his gun and he's going to blow him away. And he, he doesn't have the gun. And he just smiles. I, that is my favorite scene in the movie because it's just it's so lighthearted. It's so reminiscent of the first movie. And it, it just works with the character, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, but I overall, like, s- like section of the movie, I love the minecart chase. It's so Yeah, that's an crazy. iconic, you know, set piece there. I'll go as far as to say it blows away the beginning of the first movie. 
You know, because uh, I mean, I thought that Boulder scene was fantastic, but this blows that away, man. That's kind of how I feel. Cool. What about you, sir? Are, are you, I love it. Are, are I, you not feeling that way? Are you think? Do you think the Boulder scene's like the best, like iconic action sequence? Or? Well, it is for me because okay, it is what introduced me to Indiana Jones at a young age. Okay, and so that kind of much like the opening to to the first Star Wars movie to me is maybe not necessarily the best scene in any of the Star Wars movies, but it's the most iconic to me because it's what introduced me to the universe. That it starts off with uh, Darth Vader, right? The first scene of the Star Destroyer, of the Rebel ship coming over the top of you, and then this massive Star Destroyer coming over the top, or just right over the top of, of the audience, and then ah. the, the doors blowing open inside and Darth Vader walking in. I ah. mean, that's just, boom, right there, that's Star Wars to me. Yeah. No, I, I can see that, man. Yeah, I could definitely see where you're going. I mean, the Boulder scene, I guess I should take it back, because when I really think well, no, about if, it... If, no, I mean... I should put it this way. It's for me it's the it's the funnest scene of this movie, but the Boulder scene though, you're right, does really set up the character and the kind of universe you're going to be in. I mean, now that you explain it the way you did it, it you know, it makes perfect sense. So, but I, for for sure in this movie, the the minecart chase is my favorite. It's good times. Yeah. So, there's um, there's a lot in this movie that freaked me out. <laughs> the the let's, dinner let's go scene. Through it. What go, what's scared, what freaked you out? The the uh, the dinner scene, okay, where they're, when they're in the, the in the you know in the the temple or whatever, and uh, the, the the chilled monkey brains, uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah, that's what? disgusting. Brown the monkey heads, they're digging in. Like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's just there's there's so much because it does because this mo- movie does deal so much in voodoo and this this crazy. The just the, the the creepy rituals that they have, you know, where they open the floor and they dump the people into the lava. Yeah. What is this movie? Crazy... What's this movie rated? I oh, mean, I'm glad you asked. This movie was the first PG-13 movie. OK, this movie and Gremlins were what PG-13 was created for. Right, right, because Gremlins was PG, parents got pissed off, and that's why Part 2 is PG-13. So this was the first PG-13 movie. There was a movie that came out just before this that was actually the first movie released in PG-13, but it had been sitting on the shelf for a couple of years. Okay. This was the first movie that was being shot, and they knew... This is going to be PG-13. Okay. Because, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, the, the monkey brains and, like, the voodoo, the human sacrifices that are going on. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, this is pretty, especially for 84, this is some pretty deep stuff yeah. that you don't see in typical movies. I mean, it was we know the 80s are all fun, you know. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm just like with the, with the voodoo and human sacrifice and the heart stuff. I'm just like, what the heck is this thing rated? Cause yeah, I, when he pulled the heart out. Uh, I mean, that's like, what, what, you know? And then the, the part that always screwed me up as a kid was, was when they finally got Andy to turn into the zombie. They got him to drink the blood. Yeah. You know? And then he turns and backhands short round. <laughs> and like, Oh no. Right. You know? He's locking up Willie to put her in the lava. Like, what's going on? I know, right? It's it's pretty wild. I mean, you're dealing with these children being stolen from a village and working in these mines. It's some dark stuff in this movie. I mean, we say, you know, it is 
it's kind of two different movies where it's kind of fun and silly, but there's a lot of dark undertones in this movie. Yeah, I mean, good point, because, you know, when when the plane does crash, you know, and that's kind of where they get into the village and that's where they come in contact with, you know, kind of the the stones and everything and, and like the children and just kind of like. Oh, this is a new adventure. Well, obviously, it's I guess it's his first adventure, but you're kind of like at that moment in time, you know, setting up like we might be going to some dark places in this movie, you know, and yeah. and that was kind of ballsy back then, you know. I would definitely say because I I can honestly say I don't think people were expecting what they no. got delivered in this movie, you know. No, no, and it it got to the point. I I'd read one time that it it got to the point where. Steven Spielberg was getting a little trepidatious about how dark it was getting. And so he made sure that in post that they went in, he wanted to lighten it up a little bit. Okay. You know, because this is a franchise directed at kids. You know, I mean, Raiders was directed at a, at a younger audience. You know, it is a nice family franchise, you know, that yeah. everyone, but um, he knew, you know, who his crowd was. So he went through like, there's one scene where I think where short round is fighting the big thug when he's trying to free the kids. Right. And the big thug gets hit on the head and Spielberg put in a little cartoony, like boing sound when he gets hit in the head. Right. You know, and there's a couple of, a couple of things like that, that they threw in, like just something to kind of lighten the mood, maybe give somebody a little chuckle here. You know, yeah, we're, we're underground for 90% of this movie, you know, like with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember how I said, uh, I just I would notice like, quote unquote, like ghost, like mm-hmm. or that guy in the mirror. You know, I was like, who's that guy in the mirror? And you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know if you ever went back to watch no. that, but I know Tawana. You know, she's like Masunas. I totally saw the guy in the mirror, you know, and I had. You know, I, I was kind of questioning the screaming skeletons where I'm just mm-hmm. like, skeletons don't scream. What's up with that? And I know like in the beginning of the movie uh, with like the waiter gets shot from across the room, you know, yeah. and it was kind of like it kind of reminded me of that. So you mean when he got shot, and there was no bullet hole, but yeah. the blood came up through his shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like one of those scenes where I'm like, ah, it's another guy behind the mirror. Or, you know, screaming skeleton scene, you know, but I, I can go along with that. You know, I mean, like we all know the 80s, you know, it was a forgiving time, you know, and I mean, nowadays, I think if you were to, like remake this movie, I think you'd either have to go like really dark and serious because I don't know if you could pull off the same kind of humor, you know, that was done in this movie if you were to remake it today. What do you think? Yeah, I think it would definitely be. Uh, a much darker movie. Yeah, I think I think that's the way you'd almost have to go. It, it you know, it, it's hard to make movies like this. It's hard to make movies, and that's why I think you know movies like the Indiana Jones franchise stand up so well is because it's tough to remake these to have the all the different parts of it that that they were able to do it. You know, it's just it's. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. I mean, yeah, there's not many guys that tell stories better than this, especially in the '80s. You know, that are able to do everything. And, and I mean, Harrison Ford. I don't know if you could cast anyone better to be Indiana Jones. I, he was the epitome of the rough, gruff solo guy. You know, just doing things and not caring who liked him and didn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, you were kind of pissed at me for a long time when I told don't you. Don't talk about regarding Henry. No. 
I honestly, don't do it. I wasn't bringing it up. But I love, though, when I did bring it up for, like, three weeks. That's all that people would bring up. And you were, like, you were pissed on Movie Mojo when Brian's like, I like Regarding Henry. And you're like, what is up with Regarding Henry? And he just didn't get the joke, which was so <laughs> fun, man. I love that. But... You know, you know how I felt about Harrison Ford. I'm like, you know, he's cool in Star Wars, but I've just never been a big fan. And where I, I sent Raiders, where I was like, you know, I actually, I actually dug him. But in this movie, it was kind of the first time where I was just like, I get the appeal of why people think he's such a badass. You know, that's kind of how I. That's what I left when I was done with this movie, uh, which <laughs> I swear God didn't want me to watch this movie because first the the movies, the, the movie place had this movie stolen and then the copy I did get skipped all over the place. So I swear I missed like a half hour of the movie. So I'm trying to piece things together. So like next week when we do temp, um, what is it? Um, Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Uh, I'm getting to get another copy and I'm going to do like kind of a part two review of just like <laughs> things that I know I missed. And I'm going to be like, hey, I really like this part and this part. But overall, though, it was like the first time where I just walked away. I was like, now I get the Harrison Ford appeal and love and everything like that. So it's not like I've never not liked him or respect him, but now I get it, you know, and I got that from this movie, which I think would be considered successful. So, yeah, very much so. Yeah. I love the kind of the final big battle. Yeah. I think is one of the best things in these movies. The rope bridge. Um, Good and times. Just all that with all the thuggies that he's fighting. And I remember as a kid, um, my mom was going back to school. And right after I'd seen this movie. Well, did she go hang out with Billy Zapka? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, uh but she and so I remember having to go with her a lot of times when I was off of school or whatever, and, and there was a rope bridge that crossed the Chippewa River up up in Eau Claire where she was going. Nice. And I remember being terrified of it because it would sway, <laughs> and it was very much. Now looking back, I don't know, I don't know how bad it was, but when I was a kid, it was the rope bridge from the end of Temple of Doom, and I was always terrified to get out into the middle of this thing crossing the river because i'm just expecting somebody to be at the end of the machete exactly just, just hacking away at it uh and i love of course the iconic john williams theme yeah. but man it's played at such great moments in this mm -hmm. especially that scene you know with the where he's swinging on the rope man it's good times man it's like perfect uh it's kind of like with jaws you know it's like the the music is um is there at the perfect moments it's in the, the film. It's the hero theme. Yeah. And it's like, it's set at the right time. It's not like when you watch it, you're just like, ah, they shouldn't have put the song, you know, the theme here or there. It's just, it, it, to me, it actually works much better in this film. In the first one, it was there, but it's much more in this one. And I, for good reason, because there's much more craziness ensuing in this film. And uh, it's good times, man. I, I really love that that theme song, man. I, I mean, it's one of the best. So, yep. I mean, definitely what top five John Williams for you? Where you at with yeah. Yeah, with yeah. this theme song? It, it's top. It's mm, man, it's Star Wars, and then this and Superman are battling for me. Ooh. So, <laughs> I guess off topic, uh, if we were to do a top five John Williams theme, so uh -huh. so number one, you put Star Wars over Superman. Oh yeah. Really? No doubt. Seriously? Oh, yeah. 100%. Wow. That's yeah. that's crazy. 
Because, you know, Star Wars is just like, you know, a couple of notes. But Superman, that's that's epic, dude. Nah, Star Wars, <laughs> all the way. Okay, so Star Wars, number one. Number two yeah. would be Superman. And then three would be what? Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Four would be mm, Jaws. Jaws. Okay. And then five would be... Mm. Mm. Gosh, there's so many. So many. Because uh, I'm, I think I'm, I'm only reversed on just one and two. I would be Superman, Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones, Jaws, and then number five. Um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> oh man, people are like, this is my favorite. You better pick this one. I'm trying to think here. Come on. What's, what would number five be? How many movies did he do, man? This guy a did thousand. like a billion songs. List man. of compositions by John Williams. All right, here we go. Film scores. Let's Heck yeah. See. All right. Yeah, these are all in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, for, let's for do almost. it. Let's do the 80s, baby. All right. We're, we're rolling. Here we go. Okay. So late 70s. You got Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jaws, Superman. Uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. Uh, uh, let's see, Space Camp. Ooh, he did Superman. Space Camp. Oh. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Home Alone. Ooh, Ooh. Oh, Ooh. that's a good one, baby. I that th- is. Oh, oh, Jurassic Park. Oh. Ooh. Okay. Jurassic Park beats Home Alone for sure. Yeah, I gotta go with Jurassic Park. Okay. Yeah. Is there anyone that could possibly top Jurassic Park? I'm looking. Uh, I mean, I don't know. He did the Harry Potter ones, but I yeah, can't. I can't hear those in my head. Like the the the, the, the top five. Easily I can hear them head. in my head right now. Right. Any time of day, you wake me up, go hum the Superman theme. Okay. You know, no problem. Right. Like Home Alone was in my head. That's why I was like, oh, number five. But when yep. you said Jurassic Park, I was like, oh, well, obviously that yep. goes over. Yeah, that's 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 my top five right there. Oh, man. Good times. All right. So we now know where the Indiana Jones theme song fits on the STL top five. John Williams. But now a little little if I got to break it down, you know, Star it, Wars has like 10 different themes. Well, true. Because uh, like I you the, got the Vader March. I mean, that's great. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, is that the Emperor? March or that's the Vader March. The Vader March. That's what they call it, right? Okay. Yep. Dun 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 dun. dun. Good times, man. (laughs) Oh, so I love it. (laughs) So the theme is phenomenal. Oh yeah, it's excellent. Um. Okay. So what is it you don't like in this movie? Um. It's hard to put my finger on with this because for the longest time I. I, I I liked this movie, but I didn't love it. And it was quite a step down from the first one for me for a long time. Okay. Um, just because I think it, it did have such dark themes in it. Um, but then I kind of made this reversal on it, you know, years later. We started watching it more and kind of actually looking at it, you know, watching it for more than just what was there, I guess. I don't know how to say that. And... I started to really enjoy it. And yeah, kind of seeing you were it for, looking. You were looking big picture wise. Yeah, T- taking a step back, looking big picture, looking at it a different way. And 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 stopped looking at it through the eyes of a child. Right. You know, because through the eyes of a child, I didn't like it because there was a lot of things in there that I just didn't get. That 
just were kind of too weird for me. Um, you know, I just, there were things I loved, but things that I didn't, and I really dropped it. And, you know, so then, like I say, I've kind of gone back and forth with these. Um, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to put my finger on it. I, I love things like, like I said before, the, the chemistry with Indy and short round. Yeah. Always just cracks me up with those two, you know, just little scenes like where they're out camping. Here's one thing that bothers me. Okay. Okay. Two things in, in one scene. One thing I love, one thing I hate. Okay. All in the same scene. All right. So there's a scene where they're out. They just, they, <laughs> I think they just landed in the village. Yeah. And they're, they're like camped out on the ground. Right. And they're just kind of sitting around talking and, and Indy and short round are playing cards. Right. And short round accuses him of cheating. And I just love it where he's like, no, you cheat, Dr. Jones, you cheat. <laughs> I'm very little. You cheat very big. <laughs> and he kind of goes off and then Indy catches him cheating. And he's like, Hey, I'm a kid. What are you going to do? You know? And, and, and that's where you start to get the kind of the story about how he discovered short round and kind of took him in. Right. I love that. Right. Then, I agree. As that's going on, you have Willie, who is all flustered and fretting about having to sleep on the ground, blah, blah, blah. And she's hanging up her clothes, and the elephant is hitting her in the head over and over and over again. And then here comes the big, like, python out of the tree. And she grabs this python and just throws it to the ground, like, I told you to leave me alone. And she grabs this massive python and throws it down, doesn't realize it, and goes to sleep. And that, like, just that little thing always bothered me. Like, come on, it's cartoonish. <laughs> you know, just the that whole thing is just cartoonish to me. So that, so in in other words, that is the epitome of the over the topness. Yeah, like yeah. she just like ah, this was such a great scene, and then you're over there like a cartoon character. You know that. It, yeah, she bothered me a lot. I should take it. I should take it back about short round in regards to over the top. Um, it's definitely on Willie for sure. It's, uh, I would definitely say that short round. I love him just as much as you do. I think my problem was is because of the fact I saw him as data first in in, sure. in Goonies. I had a hard time separating the two, and I found I I found him hilarious. I thought the chemistry between uh, Indiana Jones and him was was great. It's definitely the high the highlight of the movie. I love it. Uh, it was just it was a little hard for me to separate. So I definitely think you know going back watching it a second time. Uh, just kind of knowing what to expect. I think I'm going to have even more fun with his performance. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, uh, being so young and child actor, he's definitely a talent, man. He definitely killed it. Um, and I should definitely say he wasn't over the top. I think he was being the character he was supposed to be, but Willie was definitely over the top. And, yeah. and, and I was not expecting that because of the other roles I've seen her in with Space Camp and, um, you know, uh, Dreamscape. And granted, those are two different type of movies, but just the overall acting performance, though, I think is my problem. I like to think of Goonies as what happens after Indy brings Short Round home and ah, finds him a place to live. Gotcha. <laughs> and he's now Data. Yeah. That's, that's what I like to think of it as. Like, Indy takes him home and, you know... Maybe has a professor friend of his because he knows that he's always gone on adventures. I can't watch after this kid. Like, hey, I've got a guy who lives up in you know Seattle or whatever it was, and you you know you can stay with him, and then and that the the new life of of short round begins. Nice. 
Um, <laughs> I I don't have a big problem with the with the snake scene. I totally see where you're coming from, and it makes sense. You know, it to me it was just kind of like a cheap laugh, but it, it wasn't annoying. Um, I guess for me, the the heart scene is I think it's cool, and especially a lot of people on YouTube will say, you know, it definitely scared them as a kid. Uh, when the guy's heart gets taken out. How is he still alive? That, well, I mean, that's kind of the thing, though, is because even, you know, Indy, Indy says that as they're watching up from, you know, hiding, like, he's still alive. Yeah. You know, heart's beating in Molo Ram's hand, and he's like, he's still alive. Did I miss something? Did they explain that? Or is this just no. all part of the voodoo ritual? Part of the voodoo. Okay. Because yeah. I, I I was, you know. I'm, because I'm, as they're lowering him into the fire. His heart's beating faster and faster as his adrenaline's going. His heart's beating faster in his hand. Yeah, I I do love when he catches on fire and the and the heart catches no. on fire. That was right. that was cool. I mean, is I love the the coloring. Beautiful. There's mm-hmm. the there was a lot of tension in that scene as it should, you know. But I I definitely dig the way that it it was shot. Music's great. Uh, I it does get a little bit annoying with all the guys drumming and stuff, and I, I mean it kind of goes a little bit over the top there. But it's supposed to be voodoo, and I guess that's what you do when you're doing a human sacrifice and all. But it was There's just rituals you got to do. Yeah, it it was just when the guys didn't die, I was just kind of like taken back a little bit. I was like, huh, now that's interesting. You know, Mike, I'm gonna take you to India and show you how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you how this voodoo works. Are, are you going to do a human sacrifice? I might. I'm going to get a voodoo doll. I know that. That was the first time I ever saw a voodoo doll was in this movie. I'm like, what the heck is that? Right? That's oh, crazy. Man. This kid's got a doll of Indian. Oh, he's hurting. What's going on? I hate voodoo dolls, man. Voodoo dolls are creepy. Oh. It was this in Gilligan's Island were the first two times I ever saw one. I was terrified of him as a kid. I'll tell you, child's play and scarred me with the voodoo doll baby where he's like breaking the breaking the guy's leg and you see the guy's leg just, just get destroyed oh that's not terrible. nice yeah and then of course mark for death baby steven seagal man <laughs> good times man i really do like that steven seagal movie man it's ridiculous but there i don't know man that that guy is just as intimidating if not more than the guy in this movie. I think it's because of his eyes. I don't know. But overall, I definitely like the bad guy way more than I like the bad guy in Raiders. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this guy, uh, he still looks uh, he still looks intimidating. Uh, it's definitely a guy you wouldn't want to walk down an alley, come in contact with, you know. Um, overall, performance-wise, man, I think everybody did a really good job, you know. Um, I, I like where they were going. Like you said, it's kind of like two movies in one. It's a big, fun-filled adventure with some crazy darkness, you know? Mm-hmm. Even more so than the ending of the of the first one, you know, where I was kind of like, what's up with all the souls and people have problems with aliens in the fourth one? So, um, We'll get to that. <laughs> so uh, what's your favorite uh, out of the three? Is number three your favorite? Because I can't wait to watch this next week. Um, or where are you at? Is number one your favorite? Ah. Uh... It's number one and number three are kind of a dead heat for me. And I think I tend to give Raiders the, the, just the edge because it was the original. Okay. Because it was the first, I think they're, I think they're both great movies. And I think probably as far as movie making goes, last crusade is the better movie, but you know, we say it all the time. Nostalgia plays in, 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 
Raiders just has that something. Raiders is what brought me into Indiana Jones, what made me fall in love with Indiana Jones. So that it tends to get just get a little bit of a nod. That's the one that I watch more than any of the other ones. Yeah, uh, and of course, nostalgia doesn't come into contact with this review because I don't have any, <laughs> uh, which makes it definitely interesting. Yes. Uh, um, you know, number three, I'll tell you, I knew Sean Connery was in it, and uh, it, it, what's funny with Sean Connery is that he's an actor that I know gets a lot of love and, and respect. And I think in my house, he was so like uh, put on such a pedestal that I think I purposely wanted to avoid watching number three, even mm. though I hadn't seen, I was kind of interested after seeing, you know, cause remembering as a kid, the minecart chase, I was kind of like, ah, oh, maybe I, I want to just, you know, number three comes on and then seeing Sean Connery in it, like, and that's his dad. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't have a, a hate or anything on Sean Connery, but I'm not in love with the guy like everybody else is. I don't know what mm-hmm. the what the deal is with Sean Connery. I know he's like the greatest James Bond that everybody loves and stuff, but am I going to like number three, sir, or or is it going to be a train wreck? I really think you'll like number three, but I'm not I'm not trying to influence you in what in any way because the whole point of this series is to get your honest reviews of these movies that we've seen. Right. That's right. the whole point. I'm not trying to sway you. I don't want you to change your opinion because I love something because you're right, gonna right. disappoint me. So I'm 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 thinking because in my in my mind, the third one is the most complete movie out okay. of all of them. All right. I think it's the best told story. So okay. yeah. All right. I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it'll be cool. Like I said in the beginning, um, the fun factor in this movie I had more of than mm-hmm. than Raiders, but Raiders is a better movie. Uh, it's just uh, better. It's better told. Um, it's just the like better set pieces. Even though I had major problems with like the background, nighttime scene was blue and yeah. and I could see the glass and stuff. But you told me that was all fixed and stuff. It. Uh, I don't know. Watching this, uh, I enjoy Indiana Jones the character more in this one than I do Raiders. But the fun factor really helps me out a lot in making me love this movie. Mm-hmm. But I recognize that Raiders is better than part two. It's kind of where I'm at at this point in time. So like I said, uh, I watched three, I watched four and then reassess the whole series and finally break it down and be like, okay, where does each movie stand? So on and so forth. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, like you say, I like Indy in this movie. I think it's, you see a different side of them that I really dig. I think that for me, the thing with this movie is that, it spends way too much time in one spot where Raiders you're all over the place. You know, you have the big bar fight where everything catches on fire. You have the, the, you know, the opening scene in the jungle, you have the, the, the fight and the chase on the car where he's being dragged by the truck. You've got the fight with the big bald German on the, around the airplane. You've got so many big action sequences in different locales you know and you've got the snake pit i mean there's just a lot of different things that are like oh yeah oh yeah you just have to say it and like oh i remember that this one the majority of the movie and the majority of the action takes place in one spot for the most part yeah good point man you know kind of it doesn't really progress out of there until the end Yeah. And that's one thing with the Uncharted series is, you know, uh, you're in uh, you're in East Asia one for like three levels. And then all of a sudden you're in Europe and and you're taking on 
I mean, you're in caves and caverns, and then all of a sudden you're you're flying high in the sky trying to get a parachute, and then you fall into the desert, and then you got to walk, you know, countless miles just to find water, and then then you got to all of a sudden you're out of breath, and now you got to take on a hundred mercenaries and stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the, that game so much fun. So now that you say that. And like you said, when you bring it up, it kind of reminds you. I kind of forgot about all that stuff that happened in the first one. And I, I think that's deep down inside why it's a better film because it's it's bigger world. And yeah. and a lot of people obviously like you know big picture and like the bigger world and stuff. But this movie's still good. It's still fun. But I definitely hear what you're saying. There was more. There's more meat to the first yeah. movie than there is with this one. So I think. I would go a solid three and a half on this one, week four, and like the first one, I would put at four and a half at this point. Okay. It, it definitely raised my because I believe I gave Raiders four stars, but watching this raised my score of one to four and a half, and this one's a strong three and a half with a week four. The fun the fun factor takes up the extra half. That's fair enough. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I I mean I had Raiders as a five. And it's funny because when I looked, um, I think it was when we did Raiders, I went on to my Flickster thing to see what I had these movies rated at. Right. And when I had originally rated these, I don't know how many years ago, um, I had Raiders as a five and I had Temple of Doom as a two and a half. (laughs) (laughs) And since then, I've watched the movie a couple of times. And uh, yeah, I don't know how long ago I rated that, but... um, so currently I have Raiders as a five and I have this as a kind of right where you are. If I, if I could, I'd split hairs and put it at three and three quarters. Okay. Um, I, I have it as a four right now. Um, yeah. But, but you'd really like to do like a 3.75. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that would be gotcha. perfect for me. That feels right. Excellent. Good times. All right. Uh, I think, I think that's it, sir. Um, unless you had anything else to say, I think next week, um, you know, Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this because I swear I had so many skipping problems. I didn't it didn't matter the DVD, the PlayStation. It would just it felt like I was missing sections. So I'm gonna watch both back to back and just if there's anything I know I missed, I'm gonna touch on next week. But for the most part, I I know I caught like you know 98% of everything. So but I'm excited for you to watch Last Crusade. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I'm definitely like I told everybody, um, you know, with number four. I'm going in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought I'm, you know, and I know I have my uh, number three. I, I always thought that I wouldn't like it just because I, I don't know. It was just a mindset of, I, I don't think you're going to like it, Mike. But I'm going in with an <laughs> open mind and I'm excited to see uh, where number three goes because I feel like it's going to be a different movie, which is cool. You know, I definitely yeah. dig that. So good times. So, yep. uh, so should we hear what the STL Nation has to say, sir? Let's do it. All right. One shot, everything rides on tonight. Even if I've got three strikes, I'm going to go for it. This moment, we own it. I'm not to be played with because it could get dangerous. See, these people I ride with. This moment, we own it. So our first email comes from uh, Top Gun Jason. And here is what he had to say. He's like, uh, hold on one second here. Jeez. These things. I know. (laughs) 
Temple of Dumb. Uh, greetings, Dr. Masunis, the most handsome man in podcasting. I am thrilled to see you're getting into the indie series, but unfortunately, T of D is far from being the best. The coolest thing about indie, though, is that all the movies are cool even when they suck. The coolest thing about the movies is how indie is, is cool, no matter how bad things are going. He's in a plane that's about to crash, and uh, he doesn't get curled up in a ball and cry. He, cow- he cows boy up found a solution and got the job done. I want to be like this guy. I've crumbled like a dried out Twinkie when I ran out of toilet paper. Uh, As you know, he's the sarcastic one. Uh, I think Kate Capshaw is pretty cute. I think Short Round is a lot of fun. I like the subtle Easter eggs like Club Obi-Wan, and I really enjoyed the cameo by Dan Aykroyd. Did you notice it? Hey. There you go. Obviously not. Uh, The movies are all family-friendly and lighthearted, but they are also thrown in some historical aspects. Uh, So it's almost like you're learning something, which is true. Uh, I remember seeing this movie in theaters as a kid. I always wondered what happened to Marianne Ravenwood from Raiders. It wasn't until I was older that I realized they were out of order. That's great to explain why they didn't have Marianne around, but why wasn't Short Round in in Raiders? Which is a good question. Uh, did Indy just get sick of him and send him back to, um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Got me on pins and needles here. Oh my gosh. Shanghai. Thank you. Ah, there we go. You spelled it wrong. Sorry about that. I thought it would be cool if he would pop up in the future installments and still have a strong relationship with Dr. Jones. I'm sorry, man. I know this probably sounds like a bunch of mad ramblings, but I have a terrible time staying organized when I'm talking about great movies. After you finished the indie series, I'd love to see you cover the Mummy series, which that won't happen because I hate number three. Thank um, you. They are a lot of fun and have a somewhat similar feel to indie. Keep up the good work, Top Gun Jason. Thank you, sir, for writing in. Um, Scorpion King is terrible. Uh, it's the worst CGI in the history of film. Yes. And Mummy 3 is absolutely terrible. Uh, Preach it. So, yeah, not going to happen. Mummy 1 is awesome. I like Mummy Returns until The Rock shows up. Yes. So, so there you go, folks. Oh, I'm glad I don't have to go through that. <laughs> and that coming from The Rock Lover hates <laughs> The Mummy Returns. There you go. Now, The Scorpion King, that was some fun times, even though you know it was his first acting and he really didn't you know, know how to act. And you could so. tell. Yeah, obviously. All right. The next one is from Tawana Diver City Williams. Woo! Hello, Masunis and Jameson, if he made it. Of course he made I'm it. I'm here. I recently rewatched the first three Indiana Jones movies for the first time in many years, and honestly, I could not recall having ever watched Temple of Doom and that I had forgotten most of the plot and the iconic scenes. Upon rewatching it, though, I found that I liked the original much more than this one, and Last Crusade is best of them all. For me, the worst part of Temple of Doom was all the cheesy dialogue uttered by kate capshaw's character will willie scott it was pretty bad i tolerated short round but found his character to be a bit much at times as well i do have a lot of nostalgia for this film based off what i felt was one of those rare hollywood love stories between spielberg and capshaw but we all know how that one ended which i don't know how that ended so there you go uh you'll have to educate me sir uh i'll I also noticed the films like Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, and of course Six Days and Seven Nights, referencing Temple of Doom somewhat was fun. 
Uh, I would like to mention that of your review of the first movie, I agree with you, Misunas, about the screaming skeletons and the guy in the mirror scene was sort of confusing. Same thing happened for me in Temple of Doom in the scene in the beginning when the waiter gets shot from across the room. Uh, I didn't quite know what happened there. Also, Dr. Jones hardly shows any fear of snakes in this one and largely ignores them at the dinner table. I am aware that Temple of Doom occurs first, chrono- first chronologically, but I thought the snake should have bothered him a little more on this. I guess I'm not the only one that felt this way. So. Right. I gave the original four stars and Temple of Doom 3.5 stars. Thanks for reviewing the series, and I look forward to your review of Last Crusade. That is it for now. See you online. Take care. Diversity. Woo-hoo. Thank All you for right. writing in, Tawana. It's been a long time since you wrote in. We like to hear it. Keep writing in. All right. Our... Over at Mojo, too. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, sir, Skillet's Not Gonna Die music video just went live. Oh, yeah? I just got an email. So check it out. I'm going to have to check that out after we're done recording. Woohoo! And our final email, sir, comes from Time Traveling Peter, sir. All right. Here we go. Greetings, Miss Sunis and Jameson. Again, I just want to tell you how much I enjoyed your Jam Session podcast. That was a lot of fun, Thanks. sir. It was fun. Uh, I would. Do you like the beginning? How I started off? The boys are back in town. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Good times. I love that song, dude. Forty-eight hours. Every time I watch that movie, <laughs> I just blast that song. It's awesome. Uh, it was a nice uh, devation uh, from movie reviews. Diversion. Diversion. No, he says devation. Well, he's crazy. <laughs> That's a made-up word. <laughs> from movie reviews, and you guys just about covered everything else. And now, one of my favorite adventure trilogies: Indiana Jones and Data. And the Temple of Doom, as I like to call it, is a prequel to Raiders. It's a lot darker than the first and involves child slavery and black magic. There isn't much to dislike in this installment, so I'll just list the scenes I like. The scene where they're eating the snake surprise and all the other weird stuff. Uh, At one point, Short Round drops a piece of gum or something, and I thought that was funny. Uh, the tunnel of uh, bugs and booby traps is always a good time. I agree. Mm. Uh, seeing all those bugs always gives me the heebie-jeebies, which is true. I hate bugs, man. That's the thing in the mummy. Those bugs ugh, mm. eat you alive. Uh, I can't stand it. I don't know if I could ever go through that. Uh, the Kano fatality heart rip. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, baby. I wonder if that's where Mortal Kombat got the idea. I like the effect of the chest uh, closing back up, which that's true. It's a good effect. It's been a while since I've watched this, and I remember not liking Willy. Seems to be a common thread around here. Yeah. Uh, this recent viewing, I don't mind her so much, but she's definitely no Marion. Overall, I give this movie four stars. It's not my favorite installment, but still better than the fourth one. Until next time, time traveling, Peter. All right. All right. So that is it. Thank you guys so much for writing in. Good times. If you guys want to write in for the next movie, where do they write in to, sir? STL Podcast (laughs) 1. Oh, man. You're close on the website, though. It's hey! A, it's stlpodcast at gmail.com. There you so. go. But we'll get I don't it. Know, I, press, I, t- I press S, and then, and then it comes up on there, my thing. There you go. Well, sir, should we roll into the music spotlight? Let's do it. Let's do it.
All right, sir. So I, I was kind of thinking I was going to do this. I was, you know, because we talked 1984 movies last mm-hmm. week. So I was like, why don't I pull up a list of 1984 songs, right? Love it. And then um, there's a certain song that uh, came on recently that I was like, okay, I love I love this song and I've never played this band before. So I think I'm going to play this one. So you know the band Journey, of course, right? Oh, come on. Of okay. Course. All right. So I... Um, my, my roommate told me the, the great adventures of journey, how awesome they are, but I bought journey for one song only and that's separate ways. <laughs> Love it. And Every song that journey's done is my favorite song. Excellent. So I was getting gas today and that song was blasting as I was going to guess. I'm like, man, this is my favorite journey song. And I'm like, this song could so fit in 1984. So even though I didn't pull up the list to see what songs are in 1984, we'll go ahead and do that next week. I had to, I had to play some separate ways cause I never played journey on STL and separate ways is my favorite song. And, uh, it's, it's amazing. And the video is super good, man. Even though he's got some super tight pants, oh, it's, yeah. it's a super good video. So what do you think, sure. sir? Is, is that a good pick for today's show, sir? You can't go wrong with Journey. I it's love, true. I have a sick obsession with Journey, so oh, do it. It's awesome. Journey is every time the 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 few times I go out and do karaoke <laughs> and uh, get a couple of beverages into me and start singing some karaoke. At some point in the night, I'm signing myself up to sing like faithfully or separate ways or something that I cannot sing because I don't have Steve Perry's voice. It always ends, tra- ends tragically, but man, I just love him so much. Does anybody have Steve Perry's voice? Uh, yeah, watch the documentary, the the Journey documentary on Netflix. Man, their new singer is Steve Perry. <laughs> look Holy at this! Cow. Look at this guy. You think you have a documentary podcast or something? <laughs> I'm telling you, just go out and watch the Journey the Journey documentary. We might be discussing it on real films. Really? No. but i got the plug in oh man good times yeah speaking of which sir uh why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff which can all be found at stlpodcast.com go ahead sir yeah that's pretty awesome so yeah you go on there and uh you're gonna see that that uh i do a real films podcast we have another one coming out this weekend um i'm not sure which episode this is i think it's grizzly man is that already out yet uh no it was the last episode was confessions of uh there we go so grizzly man is coming out this next weekend and pulling back the curtain that was one day prior to your strep throat is when you did that episode yeah because i was telling jason before and like man something's coming on i don't know this isn't feeling good (laughs) (laughs) and like i say we recorded two episodes that day and my voice was done um, so yeah, real films podcast is a ton of fun. I look forward to that thing all the time. I, if you, I harassed Jason, cause if it was up to me, we would record every day. Um, <laughs> and, uh, same thing. I also harassed Brian to record more movie mojo monthly. We got two in this last month month, which is awesome, but yeah. we have another one coming soon. We're going to be discussing a crap ton of movies after we go see the Lego movie this weekend. So. Oh, dude, I love Batman. My favorite scene is he throws all the batter eggs, and the, the ninth one, he's like, first first time. <laughs> first time every time. I love it. That is phenomenal, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, I have the uh, the Dark Knight Trilogy Ultimate Collection box set. I saw that. Uh, do you mind if I review it real quick, sir, before we Hit close it. out the show? Okay. So, as you guys know, I am probably the biggest Dark Knight trilogy fan on the face of the planet. Um, so, of course, 
let me tell you how many copies I own of the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I own um, all the Blu-rays of Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. and then I have DVD copies, the two-disc version of each one. Just in case somebody needs to borrow it, I can give them the DVD. <laughs> and then I bought the Dark Knight Trilogy DVD set that has the hologram cover. So when you change it, it's Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I hate the Blu-ray one because it just has Batman's mask on it. So I purposely bought the DVD set just so I could have the hologram box. So that was, that was a waste of money, but it's part of my collection. And then finally, the, uh, the Ultimate Collector's Edition. And it was a hundred bucks, and I'm like, I really just want it for the the extra disc. But there's a bunch of stuff in here. I'm like, okay. So I was on eBay for three months, and I finally got a hold of a set, and I paid fifty bucks for it, which mm, nice. You know, I got it for half price. So essentially, here is the thing: you get this box. My limited edition number is thirty two thousand seventeen. Of 141,500. So that's my box number. So when you open it up, uh, it's a pretty decent sized box. So when you open it up, there's this book right on top. And it's the Dark Knight Trilogy Ultimate Collector's Edition. And what it is, it's this, uh, this, um, it's like a hologram book almost. Like, you know, like when you take a page and you hit the light and the it shines, it's real glossy and stuff. Sure. That, that's what this book is. And it's got various pictures from the trilogy, but like it has the bat symbol. Like one half is Batman Begins, the middle is the Dark Knight, the other half is Dark Knight Rises. And it takes basically the greatest pictures from all three films and puts them in this book. So there's like hundreds of pictures in like this 50 page book. But the best and most impressive thing is, is it smells very nice. And the glossiness is ridiculously crazy. It's, Wait, did you say it smells really nice? It smells very, very nice. <laughs> I love the it smell. It smells like authentic Batman. Yeah, I love the smell of glossiness. Oh, so good. So, <laughs> I know. So then we get my favorite, which is the, um, the, the, the set that holds the movie. So it's... Uh, it's I would say maybe three like five inches like wide and like I, from left to right I guess so what is that wide or I'm stupid with yeah. with with measurements so like it. it's like four like four inches wide and maybe two inches long so the front of it is the Batman Begins symbol well, hundreds of bats making the making the bat symbol so when you open it up. What's really cool is is that you know how the Blu-ray obviously has artwork on it? Well, this artwork is designed specifically for this little book. So when you first open it up, you get the Batman Begins where you know his wings are expanding and he's jumping down the stairs and there's all those bats around him. That's yep. your Batman Begins picture. And the disc is the end of the picture. So for example... It's the end of his cape. So when you take the disc out, his cape isn't there. So you have to, it basically fits perfectly in this little book. So that's the first page. Then when you open the second one, you get a picture of the Joker. And then it's a two disc set, which is his jacket. It makes up his jacket. So it looks really, really cool. And then the last picture is the one where uh, Bane is uh, walking away from the broken mask. And both of those are black. And then the bonus disc is Batman on the Bat Pod, and it says Dark Knight Trilogy Ultimate, uh, you know, bonus disc. So this is the one that I, 
you know, I really wanted to see. And this is the one that has the documentary. I wouldn't say documentary, but it's got the interview of Christopher Nolan and uh, the director of Superman, which would be Dick Donner, sitting mm-hmm. down discussing it. It's like a good uh, like half hour of just reminiscing and talking about it. And you could just see Christopher Nolan's love of Superman. It, it was kind of really cool. I haven't gotten through all of it. Um, there's another like 70 minute, um, like behind the scenes of like the epicness of the dark Knight trilogy and stuff. And, and then when you close the book, it's Batman, um, it's Bane holding Batman's fist as they're fighting on the street. So very cool book. This is like amazing to hold all the movies in, but the bonus disc so far has been amazing and I'm loving it. So I'll give, I'll give a full review of that when I get done. And then um, when you get to the bottom, you have the the Hot Wheel toys of the uh, Bat Pod, the Bat, and the Tumbler. Um, they're very detailed, so they're, they're they're I think they're the fifteen dollar Hot Wheel ones. Okay. So they they're very cool. And then you get a letter from Christopher Nolan about you know the trilogy and all this and that, which is very cool. And then you get the artwork, which is of Ra's al Ghul of uh joker and penguin or not penguin but um yeah awesome yeah uh and it looks it's only villains uh but it looks the artwork is amazing it looks so good and the actual case itself is just i mean they put a lot of like work into this so now i would love an uber edition you know a director's cut but that's probably never going to happen you know like a four-hour version of the dark knight rises that would be amazing but uh but overall though you know because i'm such a big lover of the dark knight you know trilogy i had to get this box set just because of that bonus disc was number one and then just that actually have it and uh well worth 50 bucks for me most people nah you know i would say if you already have it on blu-ray hey you know you're good to go but if you really want that bonus disc, you know, that's what I bought it for. And so far, I have not been disappointed in it. And uh, I can't wait to finish it. So, so yeah, man. I dig it. I, I, love, I love this set, man. It's one of my biggest highlights of my Batman collection. So, it's a good time, sir. So, yeah, that's my quick review. I, I've been wanting to do that for a while, but I just haven't got around to it. So, <laughs> Um, I think that's it, sir. Next week we will do the the third Indiana Jones movie. Which yes. what's the name of that again, sir? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Good times. So if you want to write in, make sure you go and write into stlpodcast@gmail.com, and don't forget to go to the website, people. stlpodcast.com. You cannot miss it. Um, it's the place to go to find everything. YouTube channel. Uh, Twitter, Stitcher, whole works. And then uh, those who are fans of the new show, make some noise. I got two new episodes up. Go to the pot, to the website so you can find the link to that show and go download it. And then all the links to all the my buddies. You can find all the Jameson shows there and Jason. And then, of course, all the STL Nation, who's ever part of the STL Nation, has their own section. And you can be part of that, too. You just got to find out how and... It's all listed in the website, so that it is. Make sure you check it out, and then uh, yeah, I'm excited for next week, sir. We're gonna have a lot of fun uh, discussing the third movie. Hopefully, we won't have a snowstorm and no worries. Yeah, it'll be a good time. So, I think that is it, sir. Um, you have anything else to say before we close out? I got nothing. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. It was super fun today, man. I had a blast. And uh, I will catch you next week. So, 
Yeah, you will. All right. Well, you guys have a good one. Take care. Masuna Sound.